one of the uh, aspects of life is that the joy of the Lord actually changes something inside you. Remember how that verse goes, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And uh, so one of the one of the things that I've been focusing on this week is is how in the world does God look at our life and just chuckle and laugh? I mean, there's got to be some way, somehow, that God has has looked at life and He really enjoys it. The question is: Is there more sadness, hurt, and pain in this world than there than there is goodness and mercy? Which is the bigger group? It ain't the happy, joy, goodness, and mercy group. There is more pain and suffering and what's wrong, and every day it just seems like the fire. So what gives God this joy and happiness? How in the world uh, can God look down and go, now that makes me happy. I can laugh at that. And, and so that's one of the things that, that we're going to talk about is, uh, and so I'm going to start off with this question now, and I'm, this is a question to you. Okay, now, are you, this is an are you question, so you got you to gotta think, think on this one. Say, now, are you one of those folks that has to have it explained to you and you totally understand it before you'll consider it and change? Or are you one of those folks because God said it? you'll do it. See, now, which group are you in? See, a lot of us are in the tweener group. We're between, we're between both groups. You know, in some areas of our life, we're ready to say, yep, God says it, I'll do it. But there's a lot of areas about faith and life that we say, eh, I don't know. Okay, so let's develop that today. Because, see, as we develop and grow into that group of God said it, we do it. He's happy with that. He's looking for that group. So how you answer that question determines who wins the spiritual fight in your life. Okay? Now, Psalm 18, 25 to 26 is, <clears throat> says this. To be faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. Okay, now, I believe we're the group, the group that we are in here is the, is the group that we really are faithful people. We really have a desire to be blameless before the Lord. And we really have a sincere interest in being pure with each other, being truthful. And we also are hungry and thirsty not to be in the category of the world. Okay, so in other words, so now notice how that starts off, that, that Psalm 18, 25, 26, to the faithful. Okay, so the, really the question I ask you, which group are you in? Are you in the faithful group? Period. I am faithful. Okay, now I wasn't here for uh, Brother Robert's teaching, but he taught on faith. So, in other words, if you're in that group, now, when your heart aligns with the Lord, when you're in that faithful group, when your heart aligns with the Lord, then He rules your thoughts, your choices, and your emotions. Now, that's huge. See, that faithful group, now, everything inside you, the way you walk, talk, think, and act, now, you have said, he is the ruler of those areas. So, in other words, can you allow yourself, as the faithful group, to allow yourself to have the emotions of the world? Man, that's pretty huge. It, it just... Some of us maybe need to start getting ourselves under control, our thought life under control, our physical actions under control. When we live in the presence of God, you can only live there from one position, and that's out of your heart. Because what comes out of your mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart. 
So in other words, your relationship with God begins with what is honestly and truly in your heart. Okay, now when you can live heart to heart, and you can communicate heart to heart, then the grace which passes all understanding can keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, heart livers, and I don't mean liver like the food, I mean living. Okay, how's your heart living? How did your heart liver do yesterday? Put in the past, a little bit of a past tense. How was your heart this past week? See, when you say, okay, God, I am faithful, you have to start addressing heart issues. Okay, see, it is no longer you who live, but Christ Jesus who lives. What's the end of it? In you. In you. Where's, where's the in you? In your heart. So, so you see, when you got bound now, now start being honest about faithful living. Now, my scripture verse has been several times, John 10, 10, and I know we all know it, is that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, the world and Satan can only exist on what they can steal from you. The world owns nothing. Name one thing in this world that is not passing away. Trees die, grass goes, you know, we get a we get a little springtime planting, we get a harvest, fall, it's over, ice, cold, snow. Name something in the world that's going going to survive. Nothing. Name something that Satan owns. Nothing. So the only thing that that, that the world and Satan can ever exist on is what we as people give them or allow them to have now the the uh uh you will live connected with some spirit as i said earlier but we as faithful people we as christians are making a commitment to be connected to his light and his presence See, now we're going to focus our hearts just a little bit. What shines your understanding in your heart? What focuses your thinking in your life? It's His light. It is His peace. It is His understanding. Okay, now, but, but the reality is, is... Uh, and Joellen's married to the perfect man, and she never has a moment of stress in her life. But in the event that you do, perhaps you've experienced 2 Timothy 4, 16-17, if you wanted to turn to that. And I'm not going to read both verses here, but 2 Timothy 4, 16-17. And in the stressful part of life... Paul came to the conclusion on some of the things that he's dealing with that there was no one stood with me, but all forsook me. But then look what he says there in 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. See, what's in your heart in the midst of what you're dealing? See, what makes God happy? is a place where he can come in and be his best. He's looking for a place to say, yeah. Now there's a place I'm at, I'm comfortable being. Now, can you say your name and say, God is comfortable being in my heart? Can you say your name and say that? I, Sid Davis, say your name. I, Sid Davis. God is comfortable being in my heart. Now tell me that didn't bring peace inside you. Didn't put a smile on your face. See, if you won't say it, you don't believe it. You're one of those people that's still in the wondering category. Okay. We will live connected to the Spirit so that spiritual choice is yours. Period. Now, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but we struggle against 
rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay? Now, question. Of all that long list of the enemies that's after you, which one of them is stronger than that peace in your heart? None. See, if you will say... The peace of God lives in Sid Davis's heart. If you will say your name and believe that, then there is not one enemy, there's not wep- not one weapon formed against you that will be successful. Amen. But if you will not say, if you will not confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord in my heart, then you're just a resounding gong. And I can't emphasize this enough. You must say. And we're going to keep going on this. Now, uh, another way of saying what I'm saying here about the struggles and what we have to say is that we choose to live in the presence of God. We choose. It is no longer him and me, but it's him and him in me. Sid Davis no longer resides here. See, the struggle is up. The struggle is over. I have decided that it is Christ in me and only in me. Can you say that the struggle is over? You have surrendered. You are totally occupied ground. Can you say that? Then it's time to say it. I have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, uh, now, if you have set, if you have surrendered to God, if you are his total territory, if his mind resides inside of you, then you are good soil. Make up your mind. I am going to be good soil every day of my life, everything that I am going to do. Can you say right now, Lord, I'm starting as good soil? Can you say that? Then can God give you an idea that will grow and have a hundredfold return? Amen. Yeah. Can he give you the power to control something about you and your life? And you say, based upon your power and your blood and your word, I'm going to do it. Can you do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Now, when I think about our um, fellowship here, I, I think of good and great things. Now, there's a lot of the world that has a problem with this. And it's Second Timothy uh, 4, 2. Say, says we're called to be ready in and out of season. We work how many days a week to be ready in season? How, how, many, how many times do we meet a week or a month to, to get ready? See, we've decided we're going to be a group of people that is going to be ready. Okay, so now Psalms 19, 12 to 14 is a good verse that talks about how I I just picked, I I researched and found a summary verse, I thought, that talked about what type of believers we are, how we feel, how we pursue. And Psalms 19, 12 to 14, but we start off with, but who can discern their own errors? We're all here because, man, we need to improve. There's things about me I think are right, but the Word shows me uh, there's, another weather, there's another way to go. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from their willful sins. May not, let's see, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and my meditation in my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
Okay, now this is a scripture verse. I'm not saying this is a scripture verse that we ought to put on the wall, but I'm trying to say if there's something that describes us as believers, it's because we don't really want to leave here today the way we came. We don't want to have Monday start the way last Monday started in our life. We do not want to have a generation that preceded our generation because we do not, we want to know what, what needs to be changed. So, so I'm encouraging us today with this sermon that the world has one view, but we as believers have another. Okay? So now, with that said, that's the introduction. How do we know what God's, what is and what is not the Word of God? How do we know exactly what course to take? How do we know what light to get in? Has anybody else beside me ever been sucked into the light of the world? You made some choices, wished you hadn't? Oh, every one of us. Okay, so in other words... So when we, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, so that's what we're going to talk about. Deuteronomy 18.22. Deuteronomy 18.22. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is not a message the Lord has spoken. Okay, that is the number one test. Okay, now if the Lord or a prophet or somebody stands up here at the podium and tells you this is what and how to do it, if it is not true in their life, in their doings, then look what the scripture says. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed or afraid. So how do we know? How do we know what light to walk in? When we hear the word and we see the light, as we walk in the light and see the light as he is in the light. See, in other words, each one of you are lighthouses to our children, to our neighbors, to the people we do business with, when we go through checkout line, whatever. Right. We are light houses. Is this making sense to anybody? Amen. Amen. So, so you see, so you see um, when we proclaim the truth of God, it has got to be lived out That's right. in every respect. Now, did you notice the exceptions in this verse? That it has, no, you didn't catch it either, huh? There are no exceptions. Now, tell me, tell me what God has changed from in the last hundred years. Tell me what word of God has changed from a thousand years ago. None. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, if we come in here today and we say, you know what, God, I'm going to be a faithful man, faithful woman, faithful son, faithful daughter. I'm going to live with you from my heart. Guess what we got to do on Wednesday? We got to be living exactly the same way. Now, now, uh, one of the things I've been focusing on living the same way is being able to, when I see you or I see something happen, or when I hear about something, how do I react to it? And then I, put, I picked one of the parts of the crucifixion story that at least I had never heard preached. And I've been doing a lot of thinking on it. And that is Matthew 58, verses 50 to 54. Matthew 50, 58 to 54. Now, we all know the, 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 the Jesus getting all the story up to, nailed on the cross, died, buried, rose again. That's been preached and preached and preached, preached a lot. But at least I have never heard, so I spent some time researching this. And to me, this is, this is probably one of the most important parts of the crucifixion story. 
Okay, Matthew 58, 50 to 54. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and explained, exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. Okay, now, I will stand corrected, but to me, this is a view of the three days from the moment Jesus said, it is finished, up through the point of his resurrection. In, in these verses, there are some pretty significant things that affected and changed people's lives. And these are the exact same things that, as we understand, change our lives. Okay, now, uh, Jesus, when in his prayer in John 19, verse 30, you don't have to go there. Jesus prayed, I have, I have brought you to glory on earth by finishing the work you've given me to do. Now, so when Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, he said it, he did it. Do you believe he did it? Absolutely. If you don't believe he did it, then nothing else matters. If you, would, if you told that to somebody else, could they see the finished work of Jesus Christ in you when you tell them that? See, that's huge. See, why, why, why do we live in a dead and dying world? It's because they can't see it. And us who claim to be the purveyors of his gospel. Hebrews 12, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. See, this is, this is how they'll see it. This is one of the things they're going to see is that there, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence we can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. See, what are people supposed to see? Man, i got a different way of solving my problems. I have a different way of dealing with issues. I have a different definitions of my life. See, when Jesus said it is finished, what old things in your life are not finished? What's still pending from 50 years ago, 25 years ago? What's still hanging as one of your predominant thoughts that's holding you a prisoner? God wants to be as familiar, excuse me, God wants us to be as familiar with him as he is with us. That's the heart of the Father. Now, Joel and I have only been married for 4,000 years. Well, maybe two years. It just seems like. <laughs> uh, that's supposed to be a joke for those of you on live stream. Of course, nobody else is laughing in here. Uh, uh, God wants to be as familiar with us. And, and even though we've been married, uh, we'll be three years this year, we're still learning each other. Okay. See, See, this is not just... We get saved, we get baptized, we know all the answers. See, God, God wants, to, to be as, wants us to be as familiar with him as we can be. But the truth of the matter is, some of us are spiritually unemployed. We've really quit struggling trying to know him. See, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we've not really... What's God's personality like? What's his favorite things? What does he enjoy the most? See, if you're, if you're seeking him, you, you will, you, you'll be totally occupied. So actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you today to research the weak and the feeble things of your life. And isn't it time for them to go? I mean, who would wear a pair of shoes? That was not level. I mean, who would wear clothes 
You don't let her rags. Why? We don't have to. Stop being the people that said, well, I'm, I'm saved, but I've got nothing else to show for it in my life. Now consider this, this verse, Colossians 1, 12 to 13. Consider it. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Amen. I don't know. I'm not going to say there's a formula or whatever, but one of the things I've started doing is when I wake up in the morning, good morning, God. What do you have in store today? I am your servant. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. I say it out loud. And that's why I'm a big I'm a big speaker out loud type guy. See, start off with that joy. Thank you, God. Another day of walking in your kingdom. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and he'll give us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Good morning, God. Guess what? School session is in. Bell has rung. I'm at my desk. What, what do I need to learn today? And God will say, the number one lesson I want you to learn in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 is, I want you to become gentle and humble in your heart. And to find rest for your soul. See, if, if you can, in every situation, find those three things. Gentleness, humbleness, and rest. Then can old things really be your boss? Can old memories and hurts and unforgiveness then have any precedent or place in your life? No. No. The way you end your day mostly is the way you begin your day. If you just try to shut things out and go to sleep, then you wake up with nothing. I'm going to encourage you to go to sleep with joy on your heart. Thank you, Lord. What a day we had. When you release from your heart the issues of the world and connect to God's heart, then there is room in your heart to receive mercy in your time of need. See, when you release from your heart, guess who's the gatekeeper of your heart? Who is it? It's you. You're the gatekeeper. Now, which side is the lock on? Is it on your side or God's side? See, he says, I stand at the door and knock if you'll open up. How about just putting the key on God's side and say, hey, come on anytime. Anytime I'm missing it. Anytime I'm not paying attention. Hey, come on in. Have you ever thought of that? You make the change on how God comes in. And then when you hear something and God will tell you something, then you say, okay, God, if that's you, then let's go. But if it don't turn out, you go back and say, God, where, how did I miss it? What's going on here? And let him talk to you. Now, I'd like now to go into what makes God happy. See, we've been building this foundation of everything. See, God is happy with us when we are in him. So in other words, is there anything in this world that God makes God happy? No. Everything in this world is going to pass away. And then he's going to make all things new again. So in this world that's passing away, I came up with a few ideas uh, about what makes God laugh. Okay. Now, I'm going to suggest, and just allow me to have my opinion, that uh, when Adam, when God looks down and saw, saw Satan come down there and trick Adam into giving away the world, guess who got encouragement out of that situation? See, when God came down there and said, oh, by the way, Satan... In the end, 
somebody's going to stomp on your head. And oh, by the way, you're going to crawl around on your belly the rest of your life. So Satan, so Adam got some encouragement right out of that. So God, God comes down there and says, okay, okay, Satan, you think you're so smart? You're leaving less. So God, so that, that, I think that brought some, some joy to the situation. Now, so what did Satan do? Satan jumped up there and says, well, we'll see about that. So what did he do? He came in there and the very first two children that uh, Adam and Eve had, what did one do to the other? One killed the other. Okay. What happened now to Abel's blood today? How is that blood being used throughout the world today? The land cries out because of the blood of Abel. You see... Who gets the last laugh? God does. There's nothing the enemy can do. How, when Satan said, okay, I'm turning up the pressure, and he said, okay, during the time of Noah, how many people were not affected by the sin of, 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 and the, of this world and, and the pull of Satan? How many were the only survivors? Eight. Satan says, I've got the whole world now. What happened to Satan's church group? What happened to every one of them? He lost his entire group. He had to start over. You see, who had the last laugh on that? Now, another one, and allow, allow me to to laugh at this is when Satan took Jesus in Luke 4 up to the temptation so if you wanted to go to Luke 4 now we all without going through the temptation story Jesus was tempted and he went and he he did the uh, fasting and food and water and at the right time, Satan came and attacked, you know, said, tempted him and gave him the three tests. And then in verse 13, and when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now, I've always looked at that by saying, oh, no, he's coming back. But that's not how God looked at it. The opportune time was when we were in Matthew 58. Matthew 58, excuse yeah, Matthew 58, verses 50 to 54. Uh, Matthew, did I get the wrong one? I'll stand corrected. Yeah, there ain't 58 chapters in that. <laughs> Did you hear that on live stream? He stands corrected. Matthew 27. I had this thing read several times by a retired high school principal. Is he making an excuse or is he moving on here? Matthew 27, verses 50 to 54. Okay, so... Now, this was the opportune time. See, when, when Satan says, okay, I'm going to come back up to time, God says, okay, now the opportune time is right now. When Jesus says, it is finished. And then God took, at that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Whose game plan just changed? Satan's did. There was no way people could now come to God except now. All can come to him. There's nothing that can stop us from coming to the Father. Now the earth shook and rocks split and the tombs broke open. 
The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. How about, hey, turn these rocks to bread? How about taking what seems like hopeless and lost and sealed in with no future? And, and we're going to break it and we're going to roll it open and people are going to come back to life. Who's getting the last laugh now? Who, who's getting the, oh no, I lost again. Who's going to get that? And one of the interesting stories that I've, I saw was how uh, Satan lost in Acts chapter 8, excuse me, Acts chapter 10. Now, I'm not saying the centurion that crucified Christ is the same centurion in Acts chapter 10. But look what happened to this leader in the, in the Roman army. Okay? In Acts chapter 10, now, this guy was praying to God before he was even saved. Okay? So in other words, quite possibly, when people could see what God had happened at the cross and they heard the story, they could believe it. That's exactly the same way it can happen to us today. Because somebody says it. Somebody walks up to you and says, well, man, how'd your life change? How'd you get this way? With all you're dealing with, how in the world can you keep moving forward? I'm going to suggest you could be a Cornelius. Now, one of the things I like about Cornelius was that part of his life was out of the usual Christian order. Okay, now read that chapter, and you'll see that uh, his family not only got saved, but everybody in that who were attached to the house. Everybody that came in got attached to the house. And then I want you to read this for yourself. It says they were speaking in tongues. Okay? And this happened before they got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So how powerful is the Word of God? When, some, when you share the Word of God with somebody, what is the potential outcome? Everything. What is the total potential destruction of the work of the enemy? Everything. See, that's why we can, we can just walk into his presence with confidence. We're more than a conqueror. Now, uh, if you were or you read the crucifixion, what could be seen at that cross? If you read about it, or you were there that day, I'm going to suggest this. You were seeing love poured out. It's only that love that was poured out that can ever really give you any long-term comfort. There was no longer a separation between you and God. The giver of life has now been poured into you so that all old things have passed away. All old things. I don't care what it has been plaguing you, dogging you, accusing you. There may be some seed that still remains that has to be dealt with, but it does not have to be replanted, and you can become total good soil. You are no longer a victim of this world, your race, nationality, or your heritage. You are no longer a victim of your choices, but yet you are a you are a a purveyor. You are the one that repeats what God's word says about your future. Faith can be seen because when good seed falls on good soil, then there is a good harvest. Amen. Did you catch that? When faith when good seed falls on good soil, then there is a good harvest. One, two, three. Now, is there such a thing as bad seed falling on bad soil? You bet there is. Yeah. Now, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. 
Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So is there things, is there such things that can fall on bad seed, falling on bad soil that produces bad results? Absolutely. Okay? Do not kid yourself. I want you to look at the inner parts of your heart and your life and absolutely ask the Lord to show you, is there anything in me? That is not of righteousness of you. Okay. Okay. Now, Haggai 2, 6, and 9. Haggai 2, 6, and 9. Matter of fact, I had to go to the index to find Haggai. It's such a small book. Okay. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while... I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. See, God is going to continue to make changes. What we're comfortable with today, guess what? There's going to be a little earthquake in our community, in our life. There's an obvious earthquake going on now with President Trump being president. There's an earthquake every day in our community, in our life. Is there, a is there an earthquake in our families? They're being redefined. Yes. Is there an earthquake going on right now in, in, the, in the churches? Yes. See, God is saying, okay, I'm going, to bring a, I'm going to bring this earthquake to you so that you can be conformed out of the view of the world and into the view of his kingdom. Okay. Now, how do those things happen? What do, I, what do you and I need to look like to do that? The number one thing is that we need to be people of obedience. That's the only criteria we need to bring. Are you obedient to the voice of the Lord? See, that's that's either a yes or no. If there's an uh in some things, then you're not. Okay? God does not call those who are ready, already equipped. But God calls and equips those who are willing to obey. Okay, and that's all you have to do. When God makes you ready, it does not matter as it did in Daniel 3.19. Remember the Daniel 3.19 story? How much hotter was the fire in Daniel 3.19 than the average fire they burned up folks with? How much hotter was it? Seven times hotter. Now, I mean, how hot does it be have to be to burn you up? Now multiply that times seven. Okay, see, that's what the world will do to us if we're aware of the world. But you see, God calls the foolish people so that we don't pay attention to the seven times hotter. See, God equips us to where there's no fire. I don't care how it can be a hundred times hotter. He has equipped us to be more than. Now... Noah made one great decision, and that was in Genesis 6.22, when Noah did everything just as the Lord commanded him to do. That was, the, that was the, the critical point in his life. Have you ever made that decision? Lord, I am going to be able to be led in my heart, mind, and my emotions by you so totally. Him and his family could be saved. That's huge. See, will you do everything as God tells you to do? Yes or no? 
See, that's got you got to have not only yes, but you bet. Okay. Another example is Abraham left the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans, if I said that right. And then on Wednesday night, we've been talking about Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Okay. See, if you if you are willing to obey, you're willing to go and do what the Lord has called you to do. Whether you totally understand it or not doesn't really matter. But if your willingness is just simply, I will obey you, Lord, no matter what. And then the last example I want to get here about obedience is Job. Now, the question is, did Job do anything to bring on the attack of Satan? Well, you can make a case of, you know, he was afraid or he was a fear. But God just says, okay, Job, you're up. And do, through that whole thing, Job did not sin. Even though when his wife said, why in the world don't you just curse God and die? He said no. He said no. Now look, now look back at Job 42. Make sure I got this one right. Job 42. Yep, right. There's that many chapters. Okay. Job 42. Now, beginning in verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosper, prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him at his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each gave him a piece of silver and a gold earring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. And it goes on to, to the quantity of sheep and camels and and donkeys and oxen and children, the whole nine yards. Question. Now, in verse 11, did God not give, did God not give Job what he needed now to move on with? Sure did. I mean, if he was a rich man before, God then planted the seed, butter to bing, butter to boom. He, you've not seen success in your life until you're willing to let God start you on that progress or where He wants to take you. Now, here's here's one of the things that I know that I have to work on: is am I willing to receive from other people around me? Am I a humble enough person to take their help? How are you at when you're at the bottom? Do you close up, cover up, or do you open up? See, God's got a bigger and better plan Amen. in you. Okay. Um, when the truth becomes who you are, then God can plant any seed that he wants, and then you can walk in his light. The harvest of, the lo harvest of God's word brings light. Can we grow anything in our gardens without the light of the sun? We can't grow his seed in our hearts without his light. That's right. So how much do you want, Lord, bring the seed? Let's get the rocks out of our soil. Let's plow the hard places of our soil. Now, what is that going to require? Number one, when was the last time you sincerely, from the bottom of your heart, repented? Lord, I repent for having my actions, my attitudes, and my thoughts. And I don't mean just make a general statement. I mean deal with them individually. <clears throat> Lord, I honestly, I am sick and tired of the way I walk, talk, think, and act. You've got to say this out loud. 
So if you have done that, then the next thing is um, you now become a living sacrifice. Can God take you as he did Job and be a test to other those around you and you still not sin? Can God take you and get so much joy out of you? He said, now look at word of truth, people. Satan says, I'm on them. And at the end, God says, you didn't get them, did you? It's because, it's because we don't fall like the rest of the people who fall around us. So I'm going to end with these three thoughts. God never takes away his blessing once it has been given. See, once you have started with something good, God doesn't take away your good in, in your conflict and what you're dealing with to take you to the next place. The foundation is still there. The foundation was still in the life of Job. The abilities to become more than a conqueror were still there. It is still in you. You are not limited in any way, shape, or form. Okay, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What is your list of good works that God has put in you? What is it? Do you know what it is? Are you waiting for some preacher to give you a list? Or do you want to go to the Father and say, hey, God, what have you been investing in me with? And then we end with this. First Chronicles 16.34 Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for he is good. His love endures forever. In the same of my grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. The same love today that, that I know is true will be true in them in their time if I will leave them a heritage as a godly man. Thank you once again for allowing me to be able to come and speak to the believers because I do not take this lightly. I do not take the, the time here in this church as uh, just another assignment. I take this because we are good soil. We are people who want to move into the realm of righteousness for his name's sake. And we are hungry and thirsty. In Jesus' name, amen.